Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So I did last week with a quick scripture. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 6 and the first four verses. It simply says, Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life. That was a very poignant scripture to me growing up because my dad said, If you want to see tomorrow, (laughs) obey. Anyone else get that once or twice? And so I learned the importance very quickly, that if I wanted to enjoy a long life, hey, even if I just wanted to see the end of the week, I found it was good to obey. Anyone else have a dad like that? Anyone have a dad like that who would actually back it up? <laughs> that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I love the opportunity to gather together in church like this. It gives us an opportunity to meet with one another and enjoy one another's company. It gives us an opportunity to have great coffee, tea, chai lattes, and all those sorts of things. It gives us an opportunity to stand together and worship together and praise our God together. But it also gives us an opportunity to gather around the Word of God and receive the training and the instruction that we need. And that can take on many forms. And tonight we're going to do that with a panel. And so I'm going to introduce our panel tonight. The first person I want to introduce up here is my wife of 22 years. Her name is Kath. Why don't you welcome Kath as she comes. With her new designer specs on. So there we go. You okay? Yes. Can I say Hello. Hello. How long have we been married? 22. I just said it. Did you? I wasn't listening. (laughs) 94. 94. 22 years. No? What? 92. Yes, that's right. Thank you. 92. We got married in 92. We did. (laughs) Do you remember what date? Yes, February 8th. I do know the date. Very good. 22 years. Do you remember how long we dated before that? Eight years. Eight years. And do you remember what's so special about March the 17th of this year? That's when you said, will you go out with me? <laughs> 30 years ago. Is that right? Is that the question? <laughs> so yeah, we've been together for 30 years on March 17th. I asked her out as a very young teenager. 30 years ago, which is awesome. So I'm not going to ask you any more questions because you're just not in the zone tonight. So there we go. I'm just going to you just stand there with your designer glasses and you just look pretty. And uh... <laughs> the other couple that I want to join me up on stage are, of course, Paul and Gay Benitham. Let's welcome them as they come. <laughs> Hello, you two. 
Don't say hello to me. Say hello to them. Wild Gay's getting up. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you out tonight. This is Paul and that's Gay, for those of you who are a little bit worried or confused. <laughs> How long have you two been married? To... 41 years. <laughs> no thought, just straight off the bat. 41 years. And a month and a half. And we're still happy. You are happy, I'll give you that. <laughs> we are very happy. Fantastic. 41 years. And did you date for very long before that? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Do you have any kids? Four. And their names and ages, go. No, um, hang on. <laughs> Can I just miss the ages? I no. No. Uh, she got ben. grilled. When the, what you got to understand, when I asked this question last week, her kids said to her, you don't even know our ages, do you? <laughs> so this is your time to redeem yourself, where's, Gay. Where's, my, where's Wesley and Amy and Kimmy? Uh, ben, Ben is the eldest, he's um, 38. 38. 38. So Wesley's got to be uh, 36. <laughs> Jonathan's got to be 35, coming up. And Kimberly's 31. Yeah, well Hang on, I just need a confirmation, is that true? That's right. Very good, fantastic. How, how many grandkids you have, Paul? We have seven grandchildren. And their ages are? Yeah, between about nine and one. Ten. 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 Ten, eight, seven. Show off. Uh, six. How many more left? Oh. That's four. Just what pick, am I? Just, four. Just, just four. Just three more days. Uh, oh. <laughs> Henry's six months old. We'll go the other way. Uh, Theo's nearly three. Oh, oh, and half is nearly four. There you go. Well done. Yeah. Were they all covered? Do you have any kids? Yes, we have three. (laughs) We have three kids. How old are they? Jordan, she's 15. Mitchie's 13. Bailey's seven. I'm not going on anything because I got into trouble last week. (laughs) She's seven. She is. So girl, boy, girl. Yep. But they're all boys' names, yeah? No, they're girl, boy, girl. (laughs) Okay, cool. We have, we have to explain that we have a girl and a boy because we've got all these boys' names and uh, we get into trouble. So Jordan's our oldest and she's 15. And Mitchie's our one and only son. This is Mitchie's claim to fame. He, he thinks he's like God because his name means like God. Mitchell means like God. So he's like God. Um, he thinks he's like Jesus because he's my one and only son. And he's like the Holy Spirit because he's everywhere all at once. So... That's Mitchie's claim to fame. And then, of course, Bailey, or BJ as we call her, she's seven, which is awesome. So we, we love having family. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And so I'm going to quickly pray. And at the end of that, uh, you can stop playing back there, Kathy, and we'll move on. How does that sound? Is that all right? Maybe we can sing brighter again and maybe get it right this time. Who knows? I don't know. So... Uh, Okay. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just... <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus. You come expecting tonight? Father, we just pray that uh, you'd just bless this time and that you give us eyes to see, give us minds that understand what is good and perfect and pleasing to you 
and that you give us a wisdom, a courage, and a strength to put the Word of God into practice. I realize we have a gamut of people here from different walks, different backgrounds, different life, different stages of life. And I just pray that you would anoint us and grace us with information tonight that would touch everyone's heart and that every person could get something out of tonight. We want to be sensitive to those who are hurting. We want to be sensitive to those whose family is anything but ideal. But at the same time, we want to lay a foundation for those who are yet to move into marriage and family life. And so grace us, Father, with words that bless you and help your people today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Amen. So I'm going to ask a few questions, and we're just going to start talking and see what happens. But uh, by all accounts, last week was great. And again, depending on how tonight goes, may get the band up here again and just, just pray for some people because it's not easy to talk about the subject matter that we have tonight because as I've already mentioned in my prayer, we have people from all walks of life. We have young people over here that aren't even married, and so they are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They have a clean slate, and we want to give them the best possible chance to build upon that clean slate. But we recognize there are people here who, who you know, don't have that clean slate. They don't have that, that nice start. Things have happened. Life has happened to them, um, and we want to be sensitive to that. But we also believe that what we share tonight can help you where you are right now. So please don't turn off, don't dial out. We're going to be going across the board tonight and trust that everyone will leave with something today. How does that sound? Excellent. Having said that, um, I've already read, and I'm going to throw my first question to Paul. The Bible says, fathers, so I'm going to aim this at you, Paul, do not exasperate your children. Exasperate is not a word that we would often use. Can you just elaborate on what that means and, and, and what that looks like and some of the dangers of exasperating your children? Exasperate, another word we would find maybe a little bit more familiar would be uh, frustrate. There's nothing more frustrating than having changing rules. Mm. And when there's a rule put in place Today, you mustn't do this or you can do that, but tomorrow it's changed, amended, adjusted without any reason, real reason. It's very frustrating for children. It's very frustrating for a child to hear, if you do that again, you get three warnings. First warning, second warning. You do that again, you're going to really cop it. Fourth warning, fifth warning, sixth warning, nothing happens. You're exasperating your child. A child does things to find out what the limits are. And if you say, the limit of my patience with you on this action is three warnings and you're done, then that's what it needs to be. It needs to be three warnings and done. And you need to make that rule firm and fast because you're you're not just, it's not just about curbing that behaviour for the moment. You're actually teaching the child to become self-governing. You're laying the foundation for that child in 10 or 15 years' time to know by their own measure what's enough and what's too far and when to stop so they can turn to their three other buddies in the car who are saying, go faster, go faster. Say, nope, this is as fast as I go. Good. Good. Or when, when, when your daughter is out somewhere and some other friends who are probably ones you wouldn't want her to have as friends, they may just be acquaintances, say, why don't we try this or why don't we try that or why don't you get in the car over there? She can say no and do it with authority yeah. 
do it with sincerity, do it with an understanding. So we don't want to exasperate our children. We don't want to bring them to that, that point of frustration where they don't know what the rules are. So when you make a rule, stick to it. Remember it. And this is, can I say this? It's actually fun to have children, mums and dads. It is actually fun. The beginning of a child is fun. Hee <laughs> hee. But once the child is born, the work really starts. Yeah. And so when a child is, you know, just when they're, when they're first able to be taught something, in those first couple of years, you're training them for what's going to come when they're four, three or four. When they get to three or four, you're not training them just to curb their behavior. through. You're training them for what's coming up at five and six. Yeah. And here's the stupid thing. If you ignore those, teen, those juvenile years, when they get to teenager years and you say, do this, they'll say, well, no thanks, I don't want to. Where were you when I was a juvenile? Where's the foundation for your laying down the law now? So this, this whole area of exasperating your children has far-reaching ramifications. And if you, want to, if you want to be able to enjoy your children uh, as teenagers coming up and freely giving you a hug and say, gee, mum and dad, I love you, I appreciate what you do, you start working on that when they are still just very small and you build. But don't exasperate your children. Stick with them. Mm. Be even-keeled with them. Be even in your temperate, in, your, in what you say, the way you present yourself, the way you speak to them. Don't frustrate or exacerbate your children. Right. Okay. I think as an adult, there is nothing more frustrating than another adult who says one thing and does another. And there's a scripture that says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what Paul's saying is it starts way back when. And you only have to say to my kids, what does yes mean? And they'll say to you, yes. And I'll say, what does no mean? No. Because we've just trained them that if mummy or daddy says yes, then it's yes. And if mum and dad say no, then it's no. There is no negotiation on this because we're trying, as Paul said, we're trying to set them up for the future, but we're also trying to set them up that yes means yes. I want Jordan to know that when she says yes to somebody, her yes is yes. When I say yes to her, it says no, there's yes with no conditions. When I say no, and so the her no means no. And how do you train kids, like Paul's saying, when they're in the car and their mates are onto them, their no means no. If, they're no, if they've been brought up that no means, well, maybe if you push me, long enough, hard enough, I'll change my mind. That's what we're training and teaching them. We're saying when he's behind the wheel of the car and his mates are going, his no is no. We know that that won't bend because no means no and yes means yes. One little example that comes to mind as I've been listening to uh, both Kath and Paul talking, um, as a dad, and I think every parent can identify with this, I love tickling our kids. And uh, when, when you tickle a kid enough, eventually they're going to say, stop. Yeah? yeah? And we've made a rule that whenever our kids say stop, we stop immediately. When they say no more, we stop. 
so that they know what stop yeah, and no more mean. Yeah. I may know that I can be trusted, but I need her to understand that her word is valuable. And so if a young man ever came up to our daughters and touched them inappropriately, that when she says no more, there'll be an authority and a weight to that no more. Get your hands off. Don't touch. Because of something we've put in place, even in our most fun times as parents. So again, I hope some of these things are helping and some of the examples are helpful in understanding what we're trying to say. Gay, parents being on the same page, important or not? Very, very, very important. You know, parents have to talk to each other. That's the first thing. You've got to work out what it says in God's word, what your rules are going to be. And if you don't talk about them, and if you don't have any rules, you are in big trouble. Children are extraordinarily smart right from the word go. Even though they may not know mentally what they are doing, they will do things that will surprise you and astound you at how smart they are. Even a very small toddler, if they have done something wrong, will go and hide behind a tree or in a corner somewhere so that you can't find them. There's something in them that knows that they have done something wrong. And so for us to be consistent as parents, we have to at least talk about and say, if this situation arises, what is the principle that we will apply to that? One of our principles in our home was that nobody ever swore. There were no swear words. A swear word to us were not the usual swear words, but no one was allowed to say to the other siblings or to anybody that they were stupid or that they were idiots. As far as I'm concerned, that was swearing because they were labelling somebody that they didn't know anything about and it's not right that we label people according to their behaviour. And so there was no swearing in our house. In our home, you had to be honest and tell the truth. There were no ifs and buts about it. And if I felt that they weren't telling the truth, I would just keep after them till they told the truth. Because there was, there's going to come a time when we as parents are not there. And so they needed to tell the truth to us and learn, what to, and learn to tell the truth so that later on they would do that in their life or through their life. The other thing about consistency is kids are not silly. They will play one against the other. And if, you, if the two parents have not talked to each other, you're going to get yourself in so much trouble because they are very quick at saying, but dad said, and perhaps they haven't even spoken to dad, or perhaps they just made it up, whatever it is, and then they'll say, so therefore we can. And as parents, we need to check with each other. If perhaps the husband's at work or you're at work or whatever the situation, you can always say to the child, just wait until dad or mum comes home and we'll talk about it and then I will let you know. But consistency is important because, and being on the same page because God is always on the same page with us. And as Tony said this morning, we want to be more like Jesus. Jesus does not one day say, you are really a genius today, gay, and absolutely wonderful, and the next day you are a dead loss. God is always consistent and always on the same page with us, and we are supposed to be more like him. And the word of God is always consistent, always on the same page. So yes, it is really, really important that the two parents are consistent and on the same page, because United we stand, divided we will fall. Yeah. And children will take advantage of that. That's great.
if being on the same page involves husband and wife, mum and dad talking, which is pretty much what you've said, when do you do that? Because most people can say, I don't have time to do that. So when do you make time to talk? I, I find this, I'm not a make time person where I've got little blocks for this and little blocks for that and little blocks for something else. That is not living life. I've found that life happens 24-7 and that I have to be on guard and ready for what happens. Even when we talk about having our prayer time, and I, some people just pray from 8 till 8.30, which is fine and that's great, but I like to be praying all times. And so with our children, when we, as the children grow... You've, you've, got to be, you've got to keep your eyes open and watch other people. I was always looking at other families who had four or more children. And I would go to the parents who were doing a really great job with their children and say, what are you doing? How do you do that? Often, m many of us don't ask for help. I'd always go and say, how do you do that? And so many of the mothers, for me personally, were so helpful. They would say, don't do that. Do this. I found this doesn't work. Why don't you try that? And so what, we, what we've got to do is, is talk to our husbands as the need arises and also before the need arises. So you've just got to be talking all the time. You, you, you just can't say, okay, can I make an appointment with you from 9 till 10 and we're going, to, uh, we're going to talk about being on the same page. It's not going to happen. But you need to start looking at, at older children, seeing what the parents are going through and just saying in the car, when you're at home, after a meal, when the children are asleep, whenever, just say, how are we going to handle this? And see, parenting is just a natural part of life. It's not, it's not slotted in to this space where we decide we're going to parent. Parent is 24-7. You're going to have to parent at 2 a.m. in the morning. You're going to have to parent when they ring you at 11 p.m. because their car's broken down. You're, you're going to be parenting 24-7. And, and so parents need to talk to each other all the time, discussing how did that work? Oh, perhaps that didn't work. Perhaps we could do something a little bit different. I spoke to someone else. They said it was a good idea to do this. We, we've, we've got to be reading, asking, listening, watching so that we can do it. But parents have to find time. You've just got to find the time. And don't tell me you can't find the time because everyone's got 24 hours a day. Yeah. Everyone's got 24 hours a day. So you've got to make the most of the time that you have. If you're at home as a mum or even if you're at work, you can start thinking about things that are going on in your family and saying, gosh, tonight when I get home, I'm going to ask Paul so-and-so and so-and-so to get some answers or I need to buy a book on so-and-so and so-and-so. And so we, we've, we've got to just be alert. We've got to be awake so that we can talk and we've just got to find the time whenever, wherever, because you have got the time. What is important to you do, you will do it. Yes. You yes. will do it. Yes. You will do it. If you've got something you want to do, you will make the time and effort to do it. Yes. And your children are your first priority. And you should take the time and make the time to talk about them and to talk about those things. When there's a power failure and the lights go out, the first job is to light a candle or find a torch. But after that is a great time I've found that you end up sitting there talking. You talk to the children because they are a bit intimidated because the lights have gone out and it's in darkness now. And if they have been put to bed already, you sit and talk to your spouse. So if you're having a problem with finding room to talk, 
there's a little switch over in the corner. If you just go over and flick it off, you'll have lots of time to talk. Good. That was the TV, darling. <laughs> No, I wasn't turning the light off, I was just turning the TV off. <laughs> you want to get really scary, go out and turn it off at yeah. the power box, you know. Turn the whole thing off. But you don't have to go that far, you can leave the lights on. Just, just turn the TV off. You, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't let the engagement of your children with whatever game they might be playing on television reach the point where if it's unexpectedly interrupted that they're going to throw a fruity. You should be able to walk in and say to your children, hey, we need to go now. We need to have tea now. Turn it off. And they should say, yep, I can do that. We even played the game. I mean, I played the game. It's all right. I'll just save it up. And she said, are you coming yet from the kitchen? Yeah, I'm just saving the game. Come on, be real. Just turn the thing off. And with your children, with your children, they need to, they need to respond, be able to be respond, respond to you and talk to you. If it gets to where you're having World War III, if the, if the game won't run anymore, then your children are more concerned and more engaged with the game than they are with you as their mother or their father. A stupid game has become more important than a life-giving relationship. Yeah. Hmm. You need to change that. Young people, you need to change your attitude. Those games are built so they suck you in, yes. But you need to be bigger. You need to learn how to go get above that. And so when do you find time to talk? When you need to, when, you, when, it, when it's there. And as, as Gage has said, we always... We always took the situation on as it occurred. The only couple of times that we couldn't do that was when Gay would say, because of something else that had happened, when your father comes home, we will sit down and talk about this. She didn't always have to take the buck for being the bad lady who switched the switch off or did something like that. She could throw it to me because that's actually my role, to come in and say, hey, this is the... This is the standard. This is the level of this family, and this is what we're going to do. Thank you. Hmm. I just want to back up what um, Paul and Gay are saying in terms of you just have to make the time. I am always amazed when you talk to single people how they like I'm so busy. It's like, dude, you don't have. You're not married. You don't have kids. It's like you don't know busy. But yet, you know what, often they don't have time for something, but if they're, if they're a young guy and there's a girl and they show an interest before, you know it, they've got time to start seeing and going out and having dates. It's like, you've got time. All of us have time. The most busy of us in this room have time. It's just a priority. And we've got to get to that point where my kids and my family are a priority, so I need to actually prioritise that and make the time because this is important. Can I just add this little thought that it's not just about spending time with them, but it's about making the most of that time. And I find there's a lot of families that do things together, but they actually never get to know one another and have the real conversations that are needed in order to get to the areas that need to be discussed. 
And so please don't interpret just the fact that you are spending time together in proximity yes. as what we are talking about yeah. here. This is, a, this is a turning off the television. This is a sitting down. This is a speaking into one's life. This is an addressing an attitude, an issue, an area that is actually going to set them up for a fail unless it's addressed sooner rather than later. And so thank God for the times where you can sit next to your kids watching the television. That, there's a place for that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about having those conversations that are needed dependent upon where they are at. Can I just add, uh, I had it in my notes for later on, but just because we're on this subject about making time and just using moments well. And so things like um, we have every, almost every night, I hate saying every, so almost every night, we have dinner together as a family. We sit around the table, there is no television, it is quality time. Now, dinner can sometimes be over in 10 minutes or it could be over in an hour, but it's making the most of those moments. So we sit together and it's quality time where we can sit and talk. We're doing face-to-face, -face, so a conversation. Kids are watching mum and dad interact. They're watching one another interact, how we interact, and we, can, we do fun things like games. So we might do, um, they don't know that they're necessarily going, well, they do now, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But, you know, we might say, hey, look at the person to your left and I want you to say one good thing about the person on your left and we'll go around the table. Then we'll go back, go to the right. And you're just teaching some of those things Gay's saying about the proper things or we might even do, you know, we know that there's an issue going on so we will discuss it over dinner because you know what people are eating? They it's a captive audience. They cannot leave. So we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about it now and it's just a great opportunity. So we all have time. It's just what we do with it and just make the most. Driving in the car. It's amazing what you can do in three-minute drive to school. Just this is what I'm going to nail today and this is how we're going to do it. And you can have those conversations. So it doesn't have to be length. It's just that you're going there, you're opening that doorway. And you, if, you, if it doesn't get to where you want it, you've always got an opportunity to go back to it. It's just when we decide we're not even going to, I won't start because I don't have the time. I'm saying start because you can always get back to it. But, you know, turn the television off. Get their games off. We have rules. No technology in the bedrooms. No technology after a certain time. And, you know, people go, really? It's like, yes. My name is Mum, M-U-M, and I'm going to stamp that authority that's been given to me. I'm not my kids' friends. I'm friendly, but I'm their mother. And it's a role, and it's been given, and it's God-designed, because my, my kids have got heaps of friends. Great friends. They don't need me to be their friend. They need me to be their mother. And that's my role. And your role as mums and dads is to be that role in their life. So you know what? I'm going to stamp the authority. And dinner time, six o'clock, Rainbow House, we will be sitting around that table. We'll be eating it together. And I don't care if you don't like it. You will eat it. And we are going to talk. <laughs> With a, with a smile. <laughs> Always with a smile. Always. And a knife. Can I just add to We also did that same thing in our, in our home. And we gave each child an opportunity to talk about their own day. Good. And what it did was it taught the other children and Paul and I as well to listen. And because every child from the youngest to the oldest, they were all valued. 
And so each child would just tell us about their day, the good news, the bad news. What was something wonderful that just happened today? What was something really terrible that happened today? And the other children would always listen to what they were saying. And sometimes we would do Bible readings, a Bible story. You know the story about David and Goliath. My goodness, you can make that into an epic if you've got a little bit of, of, of imagination. And so we would do those things to teach um, all of us to listen and to respect and to give time to the other person. And so it was just a wonderful thing that they would take the time to talk to each other. And also as parents, as Christian parents, the Bible says that we can ask God for wisdom. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of discernment. You need to know your children. You need to talk to them, to, to really know them, to find out what kind of personality they are, what kind of character they have. And so the Bible says that we can ask for wisdom. We need wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, it says that wisdom builds her house. We as mums and dads, we need wisdom. And if we haven't got enough wisdom or our own wisdom is failing, the Bible says that we can ask of God and he will give us wisdom. We need discernment. Sometimes you just know that this child who has got a really brilliant smile is hurting on the inside. Don't leave it. Go up to them. Find a quiet moment. Go and talk to them. Put an arm around them. You might find that something happened um, oh, at school or, you know, someone bullied them. But don't leave those things. Be very aware of your children and ask God to give you discernment and wisdom and understanding as you deal with them individually. Very good. Something that uh, Kath and I practice every time we leave church, we've got our kids in the car, and they, they know it's coming. It's going to come tonight when we drive home. I'm going to say, okay, what's your takeaway thought? What did you get out of church tonight? Because I realize lots of things are said every service, and I don't expect young kids to grab everything. I don't expect adults to grab everything, but I do expect them to grab something. And I, and I want them to exercise their mind and grasp a hold of something. And uh, every week they're going to give me a takeaway thought. And so I said to our kids last week, I said, what did you get as your takeaway thought from our panel last week? And Jordan, as quick as you like, <laughs> says, I must obey. <laughs> With her exact representation of Gay's voice, I must obey. And can I just add to that too? Tony never lets them get away with, oh, it was good. Good is not a good enough answer. So like, give me specifics and detail. Because good, just they, what they're trying to say is, yeah, good, move on. And that's why relationships suffer nowadays, because nobody's prepared to go deep enough. Everyone wants to say, let's stay at surface level and go, good, things are good, everything's great. We're downstairs, everything's just going to pop. And so we won't let our kids get away with it. I meant inside. <laughs> I thought about that. Whatever. So we just we won't let our kids get away with it. So don't give me good. Tell me why it was good. And and we really we're laying we're just undoing the layers to teach it's teaching them communication. So when they're married, when they're doing a lot life together, they're not just existing, but they're doing life together. Actually, this is what's going on. This is what I need to talk about. We're teaching them. That's what you gotta do. Good's not a good enough answer. It's like good, good start, keep going. And what's really good about what Kath says is that you and I have to be listening to the sermon. Yes. That's, that's the whole point. And it comes back to that training, to that modelling again. If you haven't listened to what has been said, if you have not got anything out of it, why ask your children? 
because you, you won't even know what... If, and if they did get it, and God bless them, I pray that they do, they may teach you a tra- yeah. thing or two. Yeah. So we have to be, again, modelling. There's no point, as Kath said, asking them if Kath and Tony haven't been listening to their own sermon. It's just not going to work. So we have to be listening. We have to be engaged in what we are doing. If we're going to say you need to be honest, we have to be honest. Because trust me, they will pick you up on it. They will pick you up on it. So everything that we're saying has to be modelled and exampled by you. You know, this whole thing of, you know, we haven't got much time and it's so hard to do all these things. I think if, if we follow the Scriptures, so many of the things that we've got to do take care of themselves with, with, with certain moments. And so just, just us driving home and saying, what's your takeaway thought? One, it says we care. We're interested in you. We're going to stop and listen because you're valuable. It's saying all those things. Yeah. It's also teaching them how to think. Like Kath said, it's not enough just to say good because we want them to think. And so, so many boxes are ticked in a five-minute car ride and, and, and it's just good time management. So I don't want you to think, oh, I've got to do all these things. So many of them take care of themselves. So many boxes get ticked with one good, solid communication. Uh, and again, I don't want you to get overwhelmed with all the things that are being shared because, like I said, much of this takes care of you know, one conversation which is just really encouraging. Paul Benithan, we have different um, personalities in our children. That's a given. Um, the, the placid, easygoing kids make us look like good parents. But the strong-willed ones, the question I often get is, what do you do with my son? He's a really strong-willed kid. Whether that's just undisciplined or strong-willed is yet to be decided, but speaking to that for us, that'd be great. Yeah, well, again, as Tony just said, it does, you need to know where it is starting. Is it, is it because it's just a lack of discipline, or is the child actually a strong-willed child? Someone said that every, that, that strong-willedness needs to be broken without breaking the child's spirit. You don't want to uh, browbeat a child until they just give up and have no spirit or life in them. But you do need to break that will because if that's not broken, they just become entirely self-centered and selfish. And uh, as they grow into adulthood, that manifests in all sorts of ways and it just multiplies the problems that they're going to have or their families are going to have when they reach the point of having their own family. So again, as already been expressed, you need to uh, understand your children. We had uh, two children. One child particularly was strong, very strong-willed. Second, uh, third child was um, somewhat strong-willed, but a bit more cheeky and playful. Uh, the second child was, uh, he was strong-willed, but in a nice way. And the third child, a fourth child, sorry. Well, she, was, uh, she has her own mind and she knows what she wants as well. So they need, each need to be approached in a different manner. And when they are smaller, you can line them up and, and growl at them. Um, there were some that needed a little measure more of encouragement to <laughs> respond rightly. But the two, the two uh, softer ones, if you like, just to raise your voice, narrow your eyes and do a hand gesture that showed a certain amount of seriousness 
would be enough to reduce them to tears. If, if you have, if the situation required that strength of speaking into that child to where tears became uh, their experience, then you don't need to go and do further. You, the measure of correction is already being accomplished. The child's response is indicating that they are, they are in the process of saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't understand the kind of ramifications that my behaviour was going to bring on me or have. And please help me, please help me change. For the strong-willed child, you need to be more alert um, to his or to their particular um, attribute of, of where their strength is because they, they can play games with you. They can try and play games with you. And so you need to think your way through, how am I going to handle this strong-willed child? And then you look at yourself and say, was I a strong-willed child? How was I handled? No, I was, I was, pretty, I was, pretty, I was pretty placid myself. I, I just flowed along. Do I know a strong-willed child? Hmm, probably do. Then in my lineage, I have some strong-willed, not parents, but my grandparents. And, and I need to, I can draw from my family. I can say, I can see now where you are coming from. Because I've already seen some of those attributes in some of those who have gone before you. And that, just knowing the lineage of your children, just knowing those, uh, those persons who have gone before can give you some keys into how to handle your current child. But please, please, understand your child before you begin to meet out any uh, disciplines or any corrective actions. Please do not overplay your hand. You have to bring the will into control, but don't break the spirit. Great. Don't break Nurture the spirit of a child. Nurture their kindness. Nurture their life. Nurture their hope. Nurture their sense of future. Nurture their desires to achieve. Nurture their desires to do good. And even some of those good desires in a child will help them overcome some of their more disappointing, strong-willedness in their lives. Wow. Um, can I just add, too, that every child needs a little bit of spunk, a little bit of something in them, because if you have a very placid, easygoing child, the danger is that as they grow older, anyone can say anything to them and they will follow. So someone will say, let's get in a car and let's go 500 miles an hour, and they'll go, okay, and they'll do it. And so we need to be aware, too, not just of the strong-willed child, which is very out there. You can see that. You can recognise that fairly easily. But sometimes a, a very placid child, a very easygoing child, which to the parent may be an absolute joy and wonderful and marvellous, but we need to be aware that you have to put something into them that they will stand for what is right. They, they will be a leader in their own right and not just be easily led and just follow the crowd and just do what everybody does because they're easygoing or because they do not want to cause any, any bother. So we need to come to that child as well. In fact, every child needs, needs help. 
but we need to come to that child as well to make sure that there's something in them that will stand up for what is right, that they are able to say no, they are able to go against the flow, against the crowd, and stand up for what they know is the right thing to do in that situation. So just be aware of that very easygoing child who's an absolute joy, but be aware that one day they will be on their own and you're not going to want them just to flow along with the crowd, but they need to make a stand and say no. Can I add to that? Yeah, I was just going to, when Paul was talking about strong-willed, I just want to remind people that sin is sin. And often people say to us, there's a certain behaviour a child will display, and they'll say, oh, that's because they've got leadership on them. It's like, no, that's called rude, and we deal with rude. They might be a leader, I don't know, but that's rude. So, again, I, I'm, I'm tough on the women because there is a thing called PMT. I said, yes, it's legitimate, I've experienced it, my family have probably experienced it, but it is never an excuse for poor behaviour. It is a reality, but you're supposed to know about it so that you can make adjustments and you can uh, deal with it so that it doesn't have an effect on everybody else. And it's the same with your kids. Yep, you know what? There is a tendency. They're highly intelligent. They're bored. They're whatever. But sin is sin. So let's not dress it up and let's not just say, well, that's this. Let's just call it what it is. It's rude. It's this. It's that. And we deal with that. You know, you know, the great thing about God's plan is that a, a man and woman would fall in love and, and spend the rest of their life together so that they would get to know each other so well so that they wouldn't have to worry about so many of the things that you have to go through in finding new partners all the time. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me how families get to know one another so well that they use what they know about each other against each other instead of using it for the situation. So, again, Kat just mentioned PMT. If you're married to a woman who, you know, struggles every month in that area and, and, and there's different varying degrees of that, you can, you can work around that. You can plan for that. You can prepare for that. If you know that uh, your husband comes home at a certain time of the day and he's quite tired for half an hour, you know, instead of arguing and complaining and fighting that, you can make that work yeah. for you. Yeah. The fact that we learn things about one another is, is to our advantage. Can I just say, please use what you know about each other to your advantage and not disadvantage, I think it would uh, make marriages and families go a whole heap better. Let's change it up just a little bit for those who have older kids, and it's going to affect everyone, even with the younger kids. But boyfriends and girlfriends and dating, uh, one question I always get asked, what's, what's the optimate, ideal, perfect, God-willed, God-ordained age that you can start dating? Gay, you, you must know that answer. <laughs> There is Listen no up, people. Answer. This is the answer. Are you ready? Drum roll. You ready? There is no right answer. Ta-da. There is no right answer. But what you can do and what we did with our four children was get them involved in youth, in a Christian youth group, in Victory Youth. And we've said to our children, you do not have to go out with every single for the boys, girls, and for the girl boys to find out who you want to marry. Why don't you just get into that youth group and watch, let's say for the three boys who are married, watch all those girls and see what their character is. See if they're grumpy, see if they're nice, see if they're funny. What do they eat? What do they like? What do they talk about? And try and work out in yourself what you are looking for in a girl. What you are looking for, not for now, 
But will you still put the rubbish bin out for her when you're 84? Paul? <laughs> was that a yes, Paul? Yes. 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 So that was a yes. I've got it. These are the most important things, ladies, that he will not forget to put the rubbish bin out. And so we're looking at the looks. We're looking at what they can do, the money they're earning. But marriage is for life. You may be 98 years old, both of you. You've got to think about this. And so you, you've, we've been married for 41 years, gone out for 44 years. That's a, a really long time, but we're really happy. But there have been trials. There's been dramas. There's been crises. I get a bit cheesed off. and Paul, you know, it, it all happens. We're all married. And so we've said to our boys, work... Is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That just showed how submissive I am. I asked if I was right. Is that good? Thank you. That was good. That was good. That was good. But we, 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 we said, especially to our children, like, work out what kind of woman you're after. Like just, and we're talking about character. We're talking about what kind of woman. You know, and, and so a youth group is a great opportunity. And so you can, you can go out with the group, out to supper after, and you can look and you can watch and you can work out what kind of woman you're looking for. You can look at their mother. Most daughters will end up like their mother or similar to their mother. There's so many things you can do without going out with 50 people. You just, it's just, it's just silly. I, we just said to our boys, it's silly. It's going to cost you a fortune. Save some money. Work it out before. Bring it down to a half dozen. Like, and always run your mother. Buy them. Run your mother by. Just, you can just do it casually. Say, Mum, I'm just looking at that one over there with the blonde hair. And you can go, okay, just have a look at that one. And so there's so many things you do, but there is no right time. Mind you, you're not going out with anyone when you're 13 in my home. It's, it's not necessary. And there's other ages where you're just not going out. In, in fact, you need to get your high school done. Truly, you really do. You need to get through high school. You, you, you need to get yourself organised. Because, tell you the truth, you don't even know who you are, let alone trying to pick out a girlfriend. Okay. Now, let me just say this, because my, three of my children are here tonight. I started going out with Paul when I was 16. But let me say this. I knew exactly what I wanted in a man. I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life, which was to serve God. And so when we met and we talked for just a, a little bit, we went out for three years, but he was the right fit for us. Okay, but I had to wait three years. We both waited three years before we were married. And so it has worked really, really well. But we both knew exactly who we wanted, what kind of person we wanted. We actually talked about what we wanted. And there came a time when we both weren't quite sure and we gave ourselves a couple of weeks to go away and think about it. Not with our heart, but with our head. With our head with our heads. So many people just fall in love and it's all hard and lovey and roses and all the rest of it, chockies. But you've got to think with your head as well. You've got to be practical about marriage. You've got to be practical about marriage. Marriage is very practical. 
you know, you've got to put out the bins. You, you've got to wash the floors. There's a, you're going to get tired. You're going to come home from work grumpy. How are you going to cope with all those things? So you've got to think really seriously with your mind, not just your head, about getting married. And so you, nearly re, re, you need to know yourself. You're not going to know everything about yourself, but you, you need to have a bit of an idea of who you are, what you want to do, where you want to go. And if that's not going to work with the other partner, well, you may as well forget it now rather than 10 years down the track. You're looking at a divorce. Okay, so you, you've got to think very carefully and you must do it in the light of God's word. You've got to do it in the light of God's word. You've got to do it in praying and asking God to give you guidance, talking to older people, talking to other people who could say, stop, don't even go there. That's going to hurt you. So we need to get advice from others and get wisdom and understanding. So please, 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 there is no right answer. But while you're at youth, while you're at high school, even as you're getting older, just look around at everybody. Work out what you're looking for in them. Work out attitudes. Character is so important. Character is so important in a person. So look at those things and then just bring it slowly down and you'll find that the answer will come. I think we poked the bear. <laughs> can, can you believe this? We've been going 45 minutes already. And it feels like we're just starting. It's crazy. And so for the sake of time, I'm going to ask you all just to say something by way of wrapping this up. It can be about anything. I'm not even going to guide the questions. You, you're obviously going to just comment on what Gay said, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but it won't wrap it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, my comment wouldn't have wrapped it up, so I'm just going to leave the comment alone. Do you want me to comment? Yeah. Um, when, when Joshua and the children of Israel were about to cross over Jordan into the promised land, the Word of God tells us in Judges chapter 3 that the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried first. And the reasoning for it was because you have not been this way before. Mm. There's no one here, I'm convinced, in their teenage years or early, early adult years, who knows truly what they will be when they are in their 50s or 60s. You can only guess, you can assume, you can have some uh, considered thought about that and you need to do that, but you don't no. When it comes to making a decision about a lifetime partner, you need to ask God, who knows the beginning from the end. I don't, I don't believe that he actually chooses the girl for you or the guy for you. I don't, I don't go down that path. Mm. Otherwise, every person that's had a failed relationship could blame God for the yeah, failure. Good. And God does not put himself in that place. However, if you include him in your deliberations and your considerations, Good. he will guide yeah. your thoughts. Yeah. And in that, in that attitude, in that attitude, it, it, it generates in you a pliability. Because to be really honest, I'm not the same man that married gay 40 years ago. 
Mm. Things have happened. Things have changed. I've got old and grumpy. She's still a delightful young spring chicken. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> Things have changed. Yeah, I'm, only, I'm okay. I'm just saying it for effect. <laughs> now you don't know where it's at, do you? The thing is, the thing is, as you as you walk in your relationship, you both are changing, and you both need to be making adjustments to each other as you grow in your relationship together. It needs to be forgiving. It needs to be forgetting. It needs to be full of hope for the future. It needs all those things and more. You cannot make a decision at 21 or 23 that, is, that understands all the permutations that could happen into the future. You can only say, God, help me. As I make this decision, God, help me. Help me in my relationship choice. Help me in the choice of my partner. Help me in my own heart. God help me. Thank Great you. word. Got a closing thought, Gay? Yeah. Um, I think we have based our marriage and our parenting on three words, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Mm. And we've found those three to be so valuable. For you mums and dads, I just want to tell you that parenting, raising children is the most exciting, delightful, wonderful thing that you will ever do in your life. And as you love your children, as you love you, as you love your, your, your husband, your wife, and as you love God with all your heart and all your soul, I just know that God's word and God's love and God's wisdom will see you through. And you will see as you are men and women of faith, holding those children in faith before God, you will see those young men and women grow into mighty men and women of God, that they will serve God with a whole heart all their days. And like us, you may live to see not only your own children, but your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren all glorifying and serving God because you have set an example before them that we can love God with a whole heart and that there's love, acceptance and forgiveness for each other and for our family. Good word. Mm. Kath? I just think in closing, do you remember in science and you had the litmus paper and you used to do the pH test? I've always said that our pH test is our kids. If my kids are doing well, it's because this is good and this is good. If my kids, if there's something going on there, it's either this isn't good and, or this isn't good. And often people say to me, what's the one thing? If, I, if you just could give me one thing I should do for my kids. And the one thing is love God, but love their dad. Or if you're dead, love their mum. The best thing I can do for my kids is to love my husband because that's what they see, that's what I have accounts. And I just see way, 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 way too many overmothered kids and underwifed husbands. My first priority is to my husband, and from there, my priority flows to my kids. They, my kids do not feel neglected, will never feel neglected if my relationship with God is strong and my relationship with my husband is strong. Wow. Time to go home, Tony. <laughs> Sorry? It's time to go home.
Very good. Very good. You know, the great thing, this is my closing thought, as we say thank you to Gay, Paul, and Ken. Thank you. Whenever we, I speak up here, or anyone does, or we do a panel like this, it's never about getting all the answers. And you were never going to get all the answers tonight, and maybe the particular question you had in your mind didn't even get touched on, let alone answered. But this is what I want you to take away from tonight. That in this church, there are leaders that love you and are willing to talk with you about the things that matter most. You know, I know church gets a really bad rap by many people, and some of it is deserving. But I think most of it is because people misunderstand the heart of the church. And the heart of the church is a reflection of the heart of God, and that is to help people. And the conflict is, people want to be helped, but they want to be helped in the way they want to be helped. And sometimes the help we need doesn't come the way we want it to. And that's where the conflict is, that's where the battle is, that's where the fight is, that's where the misunderstanding is, and that's where the abuse toward the church often comes. As a person, as a married team, and as a leadership team, we love you so much. We love you as you are, and we love who you are. But we love you too much to leave you where you are. And so from time to time, you're going to hear things that bless you and encourage you, and you're just going to be able to grab it. But there are other things you're going to hear that are just great with you. And I would encourage you in those times to hang around. And to work with and to work through those moments. I, I would like to think that 20 years in the same place counts for something. There's not too many pastors in this city that have been in the same church for as long as I have. And I'm still a young man. At least I feel like a young man. I don't know if I am technically, but I certainly feel young. And I've certainly got a lot of life ahead of me. And I'm not going anywhere soon. Because I know this, to build something great, you've got to hang around. It takes time to build what we're talking about up here tonight. You can't build it off the back of one panel. You can't go home now and fix your family. Fix your marriage, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. And all I can say to that to you is this. No matter how long it takes you, keep doing it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 